Welcome back. Welcome into Country Roads Confidential here at earsports.com. Saturday afternoon, Chris Anderson, the strangest thing happened. It was 45, 50 degrees, rainy, gray here all week. Saturday comes, noon kickoff, and 60 degrees, sunny. West Virginia beats a ranked team, and to be quite honest, had its way with 16th-ranked Kansas State. Great skies are going to go away, I guess, huh? I guess so. Uh, 37-10, I'm not even sure it, it, it even really felt that close. Uh, they, they got their 10 points, and I think they had one decent drive and then one decent play after that, and that was about it. And offensively, West Virginia was good. I don't want to say great. I don't want to say amazing. Uh, they scored 37 points, so yeah, that, that they'll take that any day of the week. But that's all this team needs is, is to be good on offense to go with that defensive performance. Were they good in offense? They got hot. They got hot in the second quarter. But I kind of felt like this became like a high school game where you kind of took it easy for a while. And just I mean, they really played with the clock in the second half. Yeah, I mean, they definitely mailed it in. Neil Brown admitted as much saying they kind of took the air out of the ball, knew that knew what everybody else knew, that Will Howard and Kansas State were not going to score, you know, even 20 points, much less 30-some, and and we're not going to make a comeback by throwing the ball through the air. So I think he knew that. I think they kind of dialed it back a lot, made it very basic. There were some plays that, uh, for instance, I'd heard of, of, of a play that they might run, something they might try, some formations they might try. There was one play where they were setting up something else, um, it was an early pass to Winston Wright on a flare to the right. And a lot of times when you do that, you run that a, a time, maybe two times. And then on the second, third, or fourth time, you flare Winston Wright out there to the right. And then the receivers, one of them fake blocks and goes deep and you hit that guy. Mm-hmm. They didn't have to go to that. No. This was just a blowout. They didn't have to pull all the tricks out of the bag. They just said, hey, let's, let's get Letty some rest. Let's not do anything crazy. Just hand the ball off to Sinkfield. And as Brown said, they had to throw it a couple times because then Kansas State started teeing it up. But it really wasn't that close. Uh, I would say this. Brown gets a lot of grief for play calling and management stuff. I don't know if it's fair or not. I watch things probably way too closely and I'm paid to be critical. I thought he coached circles around Kansas State's defense, especially on third down when when they were pulling away. Um, they were excellent on third down. Dagey was 11 for 12 for 152 yards passing. They were... A, think nine of the 16 on third down. I'll have to look at it. Um, but really good on third down, uh, nine out of 18. But again, passed the ball, got it where they wanted, got in the field goal range, got touchdowns, first downs. They did. They just were prepared, which I don't know. This, the game is easy sometimes when you can run what you want. And I'll say this too. Um, when you get out of your way, this is what it looks like too. West Virginia, minimal penalties things maybe got a little bit loose toward the end alex sinkfield fumble what was going to be a turnover on downs had a couple holding penalties on one drive but when this game was being competed i can think of the alex sinkfield muff on the punt and no other time when the ball was in danger no bad passes no drops no fumbles no almost plays penalties weren't a problem five for five in the red zone by and large handled special teams duties without incident except one had the backup kicker come in and handle everything again you play your game 
and you don't play any other games, this team can be pretty good. That's probably the regret of Texas Tech and maybe even Oklahoma State. But listen, that's a team with a 16 by its name was first place undefeated in the Big 12. No more. Uh, I'm not sure that Kansas State has the horses to keep this going. The quarterback is a question mark. And I, I would say there's a book on how to stop Deuce Vaughn now because he had 23 yards of offense today. Uh, great day for West Virginia. I would think this is not a good day at all for Kansas State moving forward either. No, on on Kansas State, they had that first play or the, the second drive where they went right down the field and scored a touchdown or got, had to settle for the field goal. They got stopped at the three-yard line. That drive sandwiched in between a couple of their other drives. It was bizarre because that looked like their Kansas State offense where there was some RPO. There was a mobile, mobile quarterback. They were moving the ball around. On that first drive they had, and on the third and I think even the fourth drive, it was like traditional drop-back passing quarterback offense yeah. and that's not that's not will howard that's not kansas state i didn't understand what was going on and I, I i'm you know i guess we would have to leave that to chris Kleiman to answer like why they went that way or if west virginia kind of forced them into that but it, once they started doing that even though i think at that point maybe it was it was three three at that time and i was thinking no west uh, west virginia's gonna win this because the they're not moving the ball like that. I don't know why they keep going to that offense, and it's not going to work. And West Virginia's defense is just teeing off on them. And, yeah, you know to Deuce Vaughn, nothing today. Takey Smith, Tony Fields, yeah. really a, a group effort by a lot of guys. Uh, I think I singled out Tyke Smith in the three key matchups, but it was a lot of guys, and they really shut him down. They had no plan to how, how to use Vaughn. In the beginning of the game, I thought effectively they kind of used him as a decoy because there were 22 eyeballs on him. And it kind of opened some things up. And I think about one red zone play where Harry Trotter got the ball and it was kind of a misdirection play. And Vaughn ended up as a lead blocker and he cut down Josh Chandler Sumito in the open field. Ball gets down to the two and you're thinking, oh boy, they got it spinning. And that was it as far as their offense. They had a home run play and a double move where the defense gets confused. But apart from that, they had nothing. There was no ingenuity. It didn't, I don't, I just feel like they didn't get Vaughn into space. I feel bad, Chris. I might owe you an apology. I'm not going to, of course, but I said that they had, they did a good job running Vaughn at defenders. I don't think he lined up in the slot once today. I'm not sure. We'll have to check that later, but I don't, I don't recall him lining up in the slot either. And only two catches, and they were both with him, you know, fading away from the line of scrimmage going to get the ball. I think his numbers were showing the defender every time. So if he's not catching the ball running at the line of scrimmage, he's not effective. Uh, And then again, the the team's just not built to play from behind. And West Virginia got really hot for a while in that second quarter. It doesn't happen very often, but three drives, three touchdowns, and kind of had it going. Get a touchdown from the bandit position, which I heard was productive (laughs) before the game today. Hard to argue with that. And then really just kind of took the air out of the ball in the second half and, and controlled the game. And and when you look at your final stats, it's it's really indicative of. I think the game that West Virginia may want to play, I'm not sure they can get in this position all the time. But, man, time of possession was 34 to 25. Um, they were 5 or 5 in the red zone. Ran for 196 yards. Sack adjusted. Quarterback was 22 or 34, but no interceptions. 300 yards. That's a pretty good day for them, especially coming off what happened last week. Yeah, Neil Brown, this is the second time I think he said it this year. Maybe he said it more. I know he said it at least twice. But he said they were physical, they were aggressive, and they played with energy, and sometimes that makes up for mistakes. And there were several times where that was evident today, uh, a couple times where linebackers were just taking terrible angles but just continued their pursuit and and just outran Kansas State defenders and and guys teaming up and kind of 
gang tackling and made up for it. And there's just nowhere to go. Uh, I mean, <laughs> Tony Fields, 15 tackles, 15 mm-hmm. tackles. Um, somebody else that deserves a little shout out here on defense that may not get it. And he actually is uh, looking bad, I believe, in, in the one touchdown for Kansas State. That was Drayshon Miller that was on that double move, right? Yeah, I think a die might be the culprit there, but it's okay. Okay, but Miller was great. I mentioned last uh, week ago that it, it, it's time to take the training wheels off the cornerbacks because they might actually be good. I feel even more strongly about that now. Uh, Miller with five pass breakups today. Uh, it seemed like they were trying to target him for some reason. Um, maybe you know Nick Troy Fortune getting the pick early scared him. I don't know, but they were going at Miller a lot, and he was ready for all of it. Here's a take. Go. Texas Tech matches up pretty well West Virginia and, and is better in some areas. Like we talked about strength versus strength. They have a good offensive line and that could handle neutralize be better than West Virginia's defensive line. Their receivers even reaching to the depth they used last game had success against West Virginia's corners and safeties, so on and so forth. You can find different ways why that explains how they won that game. And it was still close. I think that West Virginia is a really bad matchup for Kansas State. And Kansas State has the personnel that you kind of respect because they're typically older, mature players, they're disciplined, so on and so forth. But I'm watching the game, and I didn't see Kansas State do a lot of exotic stuff on offense because I don't think they thought they could block West Virginia. And I didn't see them really try to do a whole lot of stuff with their receivers because I didn't think that they believe they can get open against them. And their defense, after a while, just kind of, really kind of went into less of a zone, which is what they're typically more comfortable doing and played man and couldn't cover people in man either. It's you're right. It's something when we were trying to figure out why Vegas had West Virginia's favorite. And we said, you know, we started looking at more in depth at the analysis and the stats and the advanced analytics and everything. And it was like, Hey, all these places that West Virginia is good. Kansas state is not. Mm -hmm. And when you look at Kansas state's wins, you know, they had the four turnovers against Oklahoma, and I believe they were playing at the same time as West Virginia, so I didn't watch every second of that game. Mm-hmm. But some of that's just plain turnover luck a lot of times. You know, you're not going to get every interception when you get your hands on it. You're not going to get every fumble. And I think that kind of skewed everybody. That win over Oklahoma skewed everybody thinking they were great because then it was uh, Kansas State and then, again, Texas Tech, a team they match up okay with and, and beat, but – barely I'm, yeah i'm not sure kansas state is that you know number 16 they're not that's for sure um i think they are basically you know they are who we thought they were before the season i mean i think we most people believe they were a 500 or so team at best and that's kind of where i'm still feeling they are yeah i think they're going to be very good i'm a presser at this point right now especially the new quarterback but sometimes you lose to arkansas state and you have to pay attention to it. <laughs> um, and then again, like that, listen, they had they had issues with the roster. It's the first game. Everybody's in a similar situation. And then again, look, sometimes you beat Oklahoma and you have to pay attention to it. But really, a seven point win again for backups first game. But that's a seven point win against TCU. TCU's defense is not good. A ten point win where they had to get rescued by a long catch and run by Vaughn. And then Kansas is Kansas. I think what I wanted to pay attention to from last game was that third quarter where it seemed like everybody went, ah, oh, we got something here. Because Howard was excellent in the third quarter. Um, I think they ran 24 plays, had over 220 yards. They only had two third downs. And I know you're playing against basically Kansas Soup when you're playing against the Jayhawks. But 
they still did it. And you're like, oh, man, take that in the practice field. West Virginia defense, eh, not quite the same. I get that, but maybe they have some confidence. From the very beginning, it looked like they got really worried when they got down to the red zone the first time. They don't have a power back. And then, listen, you talk about rushing to the ball and tackling in numbers. What does that mean? Listen, a guy may break a tackle. You can maybe clean up a mistake. Perhaps you can strip the ball out. Tony Fields changed the game when he knocked Riley Moore out of the game. They didn't have a receiver after that. And that took away a ton of RPO stuff. It took a bunch of wheel routes away. That took a bunch of intermediate stuff away. They had nothing left. And when Will Howard throws 37 times, he's going to throw three to you. Uh, he might have, might have thrown a few more, except he was sailing them into the to the bench mm-hmm. and where the fans might be sitting if they were they were in attendance. Um, what Mom about and the dad got a souvenir, I think. Yeah. <laughs> Um, uh, what do you think about the other side of the ball? I, you know, I said, I said the offense was good. You were very quick to say, were they? So Listen, what's your, what's your immediate thoughts there? It's hard to argue with 485 yards again, 300 passing a hundred receiver and a hundred rusher. That's good. And I just think they got hot and that's when it mattered. And I don't, I, when I say, were they good? It's because they played so coy in the second half. Like they, they really just said, Listen, we're going to beat you in time possession right now. You're not scoring. 25 points against us before we score one and they're right. So they went into it and just kind of got into a shell. They got seven points in their defense and score in the second half on offense, apart from the two field goals, which means, yeah, they got six points. I get that. But I mean, didn't do nearly what they did when they got on a roll, which means, listen, was their second quarter the same as Kansas state's third quarter last game? Perhaps it still counts. And you saw really good flashes where I kind of felt like they were just, whatever they were calling was working and they had confidence and they, they threw like the kitchen sink at them in those, those three drives too, where, you saw some traditional RPO stuff and you saw some corner stuff and you saw, let's get TJ Simmons involved. Let's run those cool Winston Wright plays. And by the way, we got Letty Brown. It was all working. That's fine. So I think if you look at 60 minutes, you have three touchdowns and three field goals and you have one defensive touchdown. Is that great? No, it's not. It's probably not going to get it done. Like, like it's, 30 points going to win you some big 12 games. Yeah. Are you going to beat Texas and Oklahoma and maybe Iowa state? I wouldn't bet on that. So you'd like a little bit more, but they got seven from their defense, which counts. I get that. But if you can put that second quarter in a bottle and shake it up and have it pop up whenever you want to, again, I think they're going to be in a good situation. They've, they've got some momentum on offense. And this is what happens when you don't have penalties. You don't drop the ball. You don't turn over. They were forward, forward, forward for the better part of three quarters today. Okay. Picture this. It's Friday afternoon. When a thought hits you. I can spend another weekend doing the same old whatever, or I can hop into my all-new Hyundai Santa Fe and hit the road. With available H-Track all-wheel drive and three-row seating, my whole family can head deep into the wild. Conquer the weekend in the all-new Hyundai Santa Fe. Visit HyundaiUSA.com or call 562-314-4603 for more details. Hyundai, there's joy in every journey. I'd like to discuss Jared Dagey's route tree. You think we can... Because it's becoming, I don't want to say it's its too obvious, but anything in slants, in routes, curl routes, post routes, he seems to do great at. He seems to do just fine. Anything out, out patterns, corner routes, flag routes, they're struggling. And it seems like each of these last two games, they've tried to hit those early. We already talked about the corner routes against Texas Tech. In this game, he was trying to hit some deep out routes, and it was 
it just didn't look right. It didn't. He, mm-hmm. It looked like he wasn't following through on his throws. He was sailing everything, and then they more or less just abandoned it and, and stuck with everything coming in towards the middle of the field. Um, is that is that something that's going to cause a problem later in the year? Is that something you know teams are going to adjust for and kind of cram in the inside and force him to throw those? I think they'd be okay if they had to play in the middle of the field, don't you think? I think it's kind of what they want, and maybe those are like trend busters the weird thing is those throws that he makes outside to well for example reese smith who you asked about you you spotlighted those are good throws and they're difficult because it's a difficult length to to measure and to hit and also the guy's running away from you he's not running back to the ball and i think anybody would tell you you'd much rather throw leading a receiver on a straight line than on an angle it's just it's a little bit more complicated but I also thought that the throw outside to Winston Wright on the touchdown was a really good throw, too. He let Wright step into that, and that gives Wright a weapon. If, if he's moving forward, he's going to be really hard to stop. Got a good block from Sam Brown, too. Um, I think that you might see defenses, and I'm, I'm thinking forward probably way too far. Iowa State is going to clog and congest the middle because that's what they do. They put those cones around your outside guys, and they have that safety come in the middle all the time that's a challenge for further down the road. And then again, like you're going to get like the, the four, two, five and Gary Patterson. That's going to go half zone, half man. And you're not gonna be able to read things very well. That's going to make him very choosy. But I do think that if, if you made West Virginia play a game in between the numbers, maybe not so much as in between the hash marks, but in between the numbers, they'll be okay with that. Yeah. I think they excel there. I'm just curious, like you mentioned there with Iowa state, if there's a team that can really just completely clog that and you, your only option is to go outside because I think on the short ones, it's okay. Like the Reese Smith one that you're talking about, the Winston Wright one. But anything that was 10 yards down the field and out, it just it just didn't seem like it was there, especially early. But again, he he, it, he struggled a little bit early with some of his throws mm-hmm. and then steadied the ship. And then you look at the end of the day, 300 yards, two touchdowns, no picks. <laughs> like and no and like you mentioned at the start at the start of the pod, no no not only no picks but nothing really in danger. Like there no. was never a time where it was like, Oh, that should have been picked or, Oh, that was close. Uh, it, it was just, just solid throws where only his man could catch it or not catch it. At one point when they take the, uh, the 10, three lead, he's eight for 14. He gets into the beginning of the third quarter. So by the middle, I guess the, the second quarter on, right? So he's mm-hmm. the touchdown 10, three, he's eight for 14 starting the second half. He's 18 for 25. He went 10 for 11. Nice. So he got going. So they find a way to do it. Again, I thought Brown was really good about just dialing up stuff on third down, and, and it made it work too. Um, I just, just no surprises here too. I, I just, I mean, when I say no surprises, what I mean is they didn't have to worry about. Oh my gosh, our our right tackle couldn't block. Oh man, Barron couldn't snap. Wow, this guy committed four penalties. Like there's been one or two of those things. Sam James fumbles and it goes the other way. There's been one or two of those things every game where there's a surprise and you kind of have to look out for it all the time. It just seemed like they got into a thing today where they, they just realized this is our day. This is what we can do. And everybody kind of had a sense of accountability where do my job, get my yardage, get my tackle, get out the field, and it works too. Um, I also want to give Casey Legg some credit. Is that okay? Yeah, go for it. Deserves it. Do you remember his Halloween last year? Uh, I don't. I saw you reference it, but. It was the Baylor go. game. Mm-hmm. And remember, he drills the field goal, and Brown accidentally iced him. And they have to kick it again. Maybe he didn't ice him. Maybe it was it was a, a delayed game, right? Yeah. So anyways, he, he makes the kick. They got to back it up five yards. It gets blocked. They lose by three. Um, not his fault they lose by three, but those three points would have come in handy. 
And, man, he comes in cold out of the bullpen today, drills two field goals, and I don't know what happened to Staley, but I loved what I saw from Casey Legg, including the fact where, like, Brown was in that one thing where he goes, man, 45-yard field goal. I'm sure he's thinking maybe not specifically that it was Halloween last year and Halloween this year, but it, by, by his behavior at the end of the first half and in this situation here, I think he was just saying, we got this. I don't want to give Kansas State an easy touchdown. I don't want them to block a field goal because they can block kicks. Maybe I'll go for it on fourth and twelve. And no, they go to a timeout, and he says, Coach, I got this. And he drills a 45-yarder. Great Loved day for it. him. Great day for him. Love that. Love that confidence. And and along that same vein, uh, not to switch the spotlight off Casey Legg, uh, but the way of, I think, several receivers, it wasn't just one person, started off the game because they made a couple very tough catches yep. right at the start. It, you know, quick slants with a man on their back, no room for error, and they caught the ball. And I think once they made those couple catches, that was it. You, you know, I, I think a lot of those guys are like, well, man, I caught that. All right, we're good now. Let's go. And, you know, had one of them dropped one of those passes, maybe it's still hovering around you. But just just great stuff right there uh, coming out right at the start. Tough catches. Move it on. Eight players with at least two receptions. Nobody with more than four. And again, like if you're having a problem with your star receivers, quote unquote star receivers, maybe you don't have a star receiver. I do think that Winston Wright's our guy. And I, again, I'll, I'll make my West Coast comparison. They're going to find ways to get him involved. They did that today, too. Didn't have the, the wealth of targets or catches, but did what he had to do. Got his one isolation play. He scored on it. Um, it worked out well. They, uh, it looked like they tried to use Sam James in some of those roles, too. End of the day, James, three catches, 18 yards. Uh, but when I look at it, this team may be better off doing stuff like that. Like they have things that they like for certain players. So Wright's one of them. T.J. Simmons caught the hot potato pass. Mm-hmm. That's a rarity to me, but they also got him up the rail once for a big play. Uh, up the rail, I guess, a, a play action across the middle. And then posting the end zone probably should have been a touchdown, but got him going there. Um, O'Loughlin caught a couple passes. We mentioned the outs to Smith. Jennings is solid, man. I know they like him in the red zone. He gets down there in the red zone sometimes because he runs good routes and he has good hands. He catches the touchdown pass. And then Ford Wheaton, listen, <laughs> he got targeted seven times. I don't Maybe too high for me. I don't know. But... Listen, if he catches three plays, three passes, he's probably going to get one splash play in there because they're going to take some shots to him. And he's 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 a guy who can break a tackle, too. I'm not saying he's going to go three for 104, but he can go like three for 75. I really like the way that they spread things out and design it. And I think if you sat down at the end of every game and gave them a chance to draw up a box score, it would look a little bit like this. You'd have multiple players with two catches, maybe nobody more with like six, seven at most. So, again, all things considered, this is this is probably – close to what they would have imagined. They said, how do we get out of here with a win against a team like Kansas State? And they pulled it off. Yeah, and those receivers, like you mentioned, eight guys with multiple catches. Almost all of them, if you look at that score, box score, it's it's you know four catches on five targets, four catches, five targets, three catches, four targets, two and two, two and two, and so on. I think you know Bryce Ford Wheaton's the only one that's three catches on seven targets, but that that's just the game. That That's his role, is, is that deep pass. It's going to be less efficient um, you, you know, because it's 20, 30 yards downfield and he's having to win one-on-ones and it's going to hit less often, but when it does hit, it hits for big. That's why he averaged 34.7 yards per catch today. So, uh, I thought he played well. I don't think there was really, uh, I don't, I'm trying to think off the top of my head. I don't think there was any one that was just like, man, he should have got that. that yeah. That's a drop. It's just, you know, tough one-on-ones and he won about half of them and it paid off big time.
And again, the guys on defense who have to have the good game, they had it. Tony Fields, you can probably pencil in for double digits every game. A die solid on the back. Mahone played the game of his life. Tyke Smith, I don't think had big stats. Um, six, tackles. six tackles. But again, did his job I mean, in every facet. He blitzed a little bit. He got in the backfield on a run play. He covered fine. Bartlett was noisy at defensive end. We mentioned the cornerbacks. Chandler's, Chandler's really got that zone coverage where he comes down and hammers somebody underneath all the time. He's got that down. And then like your defensive line wasn't great, I don't think, on num- with numbers, but didn't have to be uh, because everybody else did what they were supposed to do. I'm looking at the numbers here. Stills, two tackles. Um, Pooler one and Darius Stills one tackle. Normally you'd be like, oh no, that's not good, but uh, I think Stills got Dante Stills got one sack. Him and Mesidor had one back to back where they, they kind of took over and that's when they flexed their muscle a little bit, but it, it wasn't a game necessarily that the defensive line dominated the one like Baylor, which is good because this is a defense that obviously has talent from front to back and all, all four levels, but got it from different levels today at different times and did exactly what they had to do. Um, and again, same as offense. Like, if you look at what has to happen, this is probably pretty close to how they would draw it up. Yeah. Uh, real quick on Mesador. He's got to be angry that they called that a tackle for loss instead of a sack, right? They didn't give him the sack on it? No, they didn't give him a sack for that. I, I guess they assume because, you know, um, Howard oh kind of lowered his shoulders like he was about to do, like a QB draw. And according to the – I'm looking at stat broadcast right now. I'm looking at it, and he's got two tackles, one tackle for loss, no sack. I don't know if did Bartlett have a sack? Bartlett, Bartlett, Bartlett sack did right. Okay, yeah, Bartlett had a sack. Dante still had a Dante. sack, and that's it, according to the stat broadcast. I'd be I'd be peeved if I was Mesador and they gave me a tackle for loss instead of a sack for that. Hey, Bryce Brand got in today too. By the way, did you catch that? Yeah, one play, one face mask. That one? <laughs> it's quite it's quite a debut. He got a tackle though. Oh, Didn't he get a tackle? Oh, yeah, there he is. One solo tackle. First play was a face mask, and I think the next one was a was a tackle. So hey, like you said, production from the bandit position. Well, there I think he gets I think he gets the tackle, but he also On gets the face, the face mask. mask. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. But hey, he's in there now. They got another bandit, but they don't need that now because Dylan Tonker is house and interceptions. Jared Bartlett remains productive. Um, good. All good. Um I don't know. This this just feels like it's what they needed. The frustrating thing is that, man, they could have done this before and they maybe have a different record. I think it's unfair. I just think it's kind of it's a process for them. And again, the the thing for last week against Texas Tech was that it just wasn't the year for them. This wasn't the year they're going to like compete for the Big 12 championship. They're going to be closer now, maybe because they won this game. I get that. But they're also somewhat expected to win this game, too, because you look at the Texas Tech offense and the way it's engineered, just not going to play from behind against a defense like West Virginia. And I look ahead to Texas, and I don't know what's going on with Oklahoma State right now. I don't know what's going on with Tom Herman in general. Who knows? <laughs> Who knows what's going to happen next week? He might be the coach. He might not be the coach. It all depends what happens against Oklahoma State. They're playing right now. But I think if you're West Virginia, you like your chances. They played pretty well there throughout the years. This is a different staff and team. I get that. But here's a good staff for you, Chris. Go. West Virginia has now finally won more games at home against ranked teams since they joined the Big 12 then they have won games against ranked teams at Texas Memorial Stadium <laughs> they've beaten Texas twice when Texas was ranked there they have three wins now at home against ranked teams since they joined the Big 12 uh, so we can't actually have fun with that anymore and I doubt well maybe if they win they'll be ranked next week if they beat Oklahoma State Texas will probably be ranked and they get even their record, I guess. Three wins against a ranked team at Texas true. and the three at home. So, I don't know. hey, all good signs, though. I can't I can't think of a negative. Maybe Staley's hurt. 
you don't want to see that. And then apart from that, I mean, I don't know, Sinkfield fumbled, so they didn't have a perfect game as far right. as turnovers. But, I mean, really, we're being picky here. Even Daigie, some of the stuff, they're like, ah, this and that, and sailed, it was soft, it was underthrown. 300 yards, and, and it was very, very sharp during those those three possessions at the end of the first half. Um, I'd have a hard time like being down or negative on something, including the end of the first half. I I was waiting for you. I I was I didn't know what they did, were going to do because they didn't have a timeout, but I thought they had plenty of time to get lined back up and just heave one up from 42 yards out. It's not like somebody's going to pick it and run it back 100 yards. So I would have gone for it, but I mean, if you truly feel that, and Neil Brown obviously did, he, he admitted as much after the game that there was zero chance Kansas State was going to come back on, on with that offense and <clears throat> score all those times, you just start playing it safe. So it's okay. Well, I, I'm glad you had faith in me on this on the stat broadcast, which is the, the stat program we follow with. Sometimes it lags. It had them with one timeout because I guess it just hadn't updated. And I don't, I don't watch the game of the sound on, so I don't know. By the way, since I don't watch the game of the sound on, did they reveal that Parker calls the plays in the red zone? They did. I got a couple texts to that effect. Then can you fill me in? Because I haven't heard this yet. Did they say that it happened? Did they explain how they got to that? They did not explain how they got to that. Uh, they simply said that uh, they were mentioned. They were mentioned the play calling. They said Neil Brown usually calls the plays until they get in. They didn't say specifically just inside the twenty. They said in and around the twenty. Parker, uh, excuse me, a Mister Gerald. Parker, <laughs> Gerald Parker, who I believe uh, learned under Don Nalen mm-hmm. um, over the years, uh, is, calls the plays in and around the 20. Okay. Um, all right. That's interesting. Mm-hmm. So anyhow, I'm watching the I'm watching it. I don't hear what they're saying. And I don't know what they're talking. I'm like, I'm not paying attention to the screen so much. What's going on there? But I'm watching the stat broadcast one time out. And I'm wondering what's going on. And all I can think of is what happened last week that we talked about yesterday, where Kansas State made Kansas screw up and punt last week, and Kansas State brought the punt back for a touchdown. And all I'm thinking in my head here is like, there's no way Brown is going to fall for this. He's going to make Chris Kleiman act, and Kleiman didn't do anything, so I had no problem with that. Like, I listen, I'm all I'm all for points, and I just do not subscribe to the fact that you're going to give up a strip six and go the other way. And, and also, like, I don't think it would have mattered. I think they would have won by you know, 20 or 19 instead of 27, you know, like I just don't think it would have mattered or 20 instead of 27. They were just better. I don't think it would have mattered, but I get it at that point. You don't know that you have a hunch. You can't prove it fine. So that was okay with me. Let it go. Especially when you don't have the timeout. Once I realized I didn't have a timeout. Yeah, that makes perfect sense. I get what you're saying. And again, I'm all for points drop back though. What's the worst that can happen? Are they going to get a 103 yard touchdown return? I don't know. Um, But Brown's not going to do that. He's, he's proven that already. Moreover, what was climate thinking? Doesn't he have to steal a play there? Yeah, isn't one of I, his best plays punt return? That that was that was the real head scratcher, not not so Agreed. much the the heaving down for the hail mary, but them not calling it to try to force a kick. So. All right. Well, what do we have going up here? You tomorrow morning will be back with your power rankings. Mm-hmm. I imagine this is going to be greatly impacted by what we saw today. Correct. Yeah, and especially since I'm, I don't know how much this will impact WVU, but. TCU's up thirty to nothing on Baylor right now in the first half. Are you seeing this? Lock that was the lock of the week, by the way. Oh, was it? Oh, excuse me. Baylor scored thirty to seven halftime. Yeah. Uh, well, Baylor's a mess. Yeah, that's bad. Uh, but yeah, we'll have I'll have power rankings up. We'll have the report card up uh, once we get to it. I got to get the kids out for Halloween, and then oh. we'll see how big of a tummy ache I have afterwards because 
I'm hoping dad tax, dad tax all over the place. And I'll probably be sick tomorrow, but yeah, we'll have that. Uh, some recruit reactions. I'm going to see who all uh, was able to watch the game uh, and, and see what they thought about it, see what they thought about this bounce back, this offense, that defense, and, and we'll have that up on the board too. Three things I think will be uh, obviously impacted by this game, but also have some basketball observations in there. Chris, mm. I'm a fan of Kedrian Johnson. You are a fan of Kedrian Johnson. Did you see that uh, um, in the preview from our national guys? Uh, Jerry Meyer loves him. Jerry Meyer just loves Kedrian Johnson. So I had a talk with somebody, and they they kind of they they think he's better than Tavon. And Tavon was like a high volume scorer, but like they said, this dude is like really impressive, and he's going to get inside. He's going to get to the foul line. He's going to score. And like it, he's in that Tariq Phillip sob mode, where not he's not a bad guy or a mean guy, but like he's a competitor, and he's going to fight, and he's going to fight, and he's going to win. He's going to find a way to win. And I think that's what they like. And again, if you get a guy who scored 25 points and led the nation in steals as a freshman and then came back pissed off his sophomore year because he didn't have a lot of college offers. Remember, he was an automatic qualifier. He, he started at a Division one school and then redshirted and then went to a junior college and played two years. I, I think he's going to be OK. <laughs> and I don't know where he fits minute wise. I don't think he's going to play point guard. Uh, I think he's going to be like a wing off the ball guy where triple threat and find a way to get to the basket. And man, if he doesn't shoot like 60 free throws this year, I'll be surprised. Yeah, he's he's really good. He he's a, gets to the line a lot. I think he led all of uh, junior college in free throw shooting, not this past year, but maybe the year before. Um, so it's something something to keep an eye on. He could he could be a playmaker, that's for sure. And we're gonna have hey, we're gonna have some basketball coverage picking up. I think this week. Uh, yeah, might be getting my preview for the season. Uh, we'll look around, talk to some people, and have some updates. It seems I guess we're gonna maybe get weekly updates from Huggins, possibly. I don't know. Well, but, he's got a good team, so he wants to talk about it. <laughs> yeah. I hope he gets to talk a lot about perimeter shooting, and and we'll be there to cover it. You know why he wants to talk about it, Chris? Why is that? Guys are making shots. Guys are making shots. It's refreshing. <laughs> Didn't hear it. Hey, you go get with your dad tax. I'm going to go hand out tricks or treats to the kids in the neighborhood here, but uh, we'll catch up soon. Until that time, I am Mike Casaza. And I'm Chris Anderson. We'll talk to you later.